This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Todd, and our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR or Informa, its parent company. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. My name is Todd Willits, and I'm joined by EPFR's economist, Cameron Brand. We'll walk you through what our teams were monitoring last week in the data EPFR tracks, as well as what we'll look for in the upcoming week. Cam, good morning. Uh, Have you been out and about uh, now that we're just starting to open up from, uh, from lockdown here in Boston? Yeah, no, I was uh, I was out in downtown Boston uh, sa- Saturday evening, and and really quite uh, surprised by the sheer volume of people taking advantage of the waterfront. So, uh, fingers crossed that they were all vaccinated. Uh, but. Um, yeah, I was also as I walked, giving thanks that I'm not on the west coast where hundred plus degree temperatures are apparently about to descend on them. And it's uh, it's going to be here on the east coast later this week. So let's get ready for it. Um, so I think as you were out enjoying uh, the reopening, it seems like uh, there might have been a, a little bit of a different sentiment amongst those that follow China. Uh, obviously, saw a little bit of normalizing in policy recently. Uh, Did that scare investors significantly in the last week? I think uh, that they they sort of having gotten comfortable that it was going to be a very slow process, uh, were reminded that there will be some consequences. Uh, A range of sort of macroeconomic data came out of China Uh, Ironically, most countries would have loved to have it, (laughs) but uh, in the context of China and what's expected and what was anticipated, uh, it certainly sent a signal that uh, indeed the the modest tightening that Chinese authorities have undertaken uh, is having a bit of an effect and obviously could have more of an effect if they uh, press on. Uh, and that combined with the Fed's recent meeting, which certainly sent a signal that though the Fed continues to say uh, <coughs> inflation is transitory, the, by their actions, it's pretty clear they're taking it more seriously than they were earlier in the year. So just expand on that a little bit, because I think we did see uh, uh, it maybe wasn't a shift in language, but it certainly was in tone. Well, yes, there was a shift in tone, and there were a couple of clear things that they did. They moved back by a year their projected uh, date for the first uh, step in any tightening cycle, Uh, and they raised their uh, inflation forecast for this year. you know, the tone continued to be trying to be fairly reassuring. Um, uh, you know, and as I said in the last podcast, I think that this uh, was good for them in terms of credibility. If they'd continued to sort of pretend everything's uh, hunky dory, uh, there would have been a bigger market backlash. Uh, 
but uh, you know, and people have had now had sort of ten days or so to sort of really look at that. Um, and you know, there's continuing new inflationary pressures bu- bubbling up. Um, the latest uh, flickers of COVID in China, in the sort of the southern tier, uh, has uh, impacted one of their major uh, export <laughs> hubs. Um, so uh, it looks like we're going to get more supply chain price pressures uh, in the next few weeks as well. So <clears throat> clearly an issue that's not going to go away. So just going back to where we began, what happened last week that you think was really the trigger for investors to start pulling back a bit? I think the Chinese macroeconomic data, which uh, was was a trigger, uh, I think it was one of those periods when investors, frankly, weren't that unhappy to have some reasonable uh, inflection point to bank a bit of <laughs> this year's gains. So I, you know, it, it doesn't scream red flags to me. Um, you know, and, and, you know, it, it, I think, uh, you know, we saw over 2 billion come out of, uh, it wasn't, no, it wasn't quite 2 billion, but it was a significant, uh, sum out of the, uh, dedicate. Yeah, no, it was over 2 billion out of China funds. Uh, and I certainly think that the tone, you, you mentioned the tone of the Fed meeting, but the tone coming out of China uh, has definitely been a bit more aggressive and confrontational, uh, you know, crackdowns on speculation, uh, crackdowns <laughs> clearly aimed at trying to rein in some of the um, uh, growth we've seen in commodity prices. Um so I think more than the actual uh, policy actions, which have been very, you know m- measured and gradual, uh, people did pick up on 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 sort of the the tone of Chinese officialdom in the past ten days, and I think maybe acted reacted a little more aggressively than you might expect. So let's go back to that uh, that crackdown that you mentioned. Um, it sounds like maybe that was a little bit of a play towards commodities and crypto, perhaps. Uh, did that hit? Well, first off, what did we see the the authorities do in that situation? In the case of commodities, they sort of signaled that they'll be investigating uh, links that they think might, you know, be anti have sort of antitrust connotations. Um, They have released some commodities from the official stockpile. Uh, On the Bitcoin, I think they were actually very smart. They linked uh, their uh, displeasure with Bitcoin, which is already a well-established fact, to <laughs> the uh, amount of energy it chews up to to mine it, uh, thereby getting some green credentials while taking a swipe at uh, a development they, they are not very pleased with. So did that hit global flows this week? Yeah, yes, it did. So we uh, we saw uh, both energy and commodity sector funds have, you know, fairly lengthy outflow street inflow streaks come to an end, um, and uh, you know, in both cases, the the outflows were the biggest in, in several months. Um, uh, China China equity funds, as I said, were hit hard. China bond funds had a, a rare week of outflows. Um, you know that 
uh, asset classes seemed bulletproof for much of the past uh, 14 months or so. Um, and and you know, there were other areas where, which arguably were having some impact. Australia equity funds had a fairly rough week in terms of outflows, and their fortunes are obviously fairly t- tightly correlated to China. Um, and uh, and let's see, there was a, there were a couple of other areas that sort of I I felt uh, it was technology too. Uh, um, you know, as part of this sort of more aggressive regulatory tone we've been hearing out of China, uh, you know, they they've been continuing to keep the pressure on their their uh, tech sector, uh, and Chinese technology sector funds had a record-setting outflow last week. Am I correct in saying that uh, we saw a little bit of a reaction to this whole situation in financial sector funds last week? Yes, we did. Um, and though I think that, uh, that uh, was more a result of uh, what people were hearing from the you know leading lights in that sector itself, uh, you know some some high pro- profile CEOs and you know Jamie Dimon of uh, J.P. Morgan probably the most visible <laughs> have definitely I, I think been trying to manage expectations that um, um, you know the the the. Uh, the, the trading and, and mergers and acquisitions profits that have bloomed as, as everyone rushed back out of the lockdown scenario, um, you're beginning to lose a bit of momentum uh, and making business the traditional way of sort of uh, borrowing at X and lending at Y uh, remains a, a tough ask given the, the availability of almost free capital in other channels um, and, and the financial repression that is still part of the policy package on both sides of the Atlantic. So what are you and your team looking ahead to over this week? So this week we're going to actually be very focused on the ESG space again. Uh you know it's certainly something that we uh keep returning to, but we've certainly picked up um, you know, a little like the Chinese figures, most fund groups would be delighted to have the inflows that uh, ESG funds continue to get. But there's been a definite loss of momentum recently, and they are beginning to run into some regulatory headwinds. Um, you know, there are fairly widespread complaints that a lot of funds are just window dressing themselves as, as ESG to uh, get the flows that almost inevitably. Uh, follow that label um, and regulators in in a number of countries, including the SEC over here, uh, are making moves to tighten up the standards. Um, uh, so it, it, there remains a lot of interest, um, and you know, the policy tailwinds <laughs> remain enormous. Um, but there, there's still a lot to tease out there, so the team will be spending a fair bit of this week focused on that. Great. Excited to see it. Thanks, Kim. Good. Cheers. Talk next week. Thanks for listening to the EPFR Exchange podcast. For more information or to suggest a topic for a future podcast, please visit epfr.com slash podcast. 